Thank you for joining us at Praise Chapel Paramount. We hope you enjoy this message from our Sunday sermon series, 30 for 30. October is Pastors Appreciation Month, and we're taking the month to honor God for what he's done in the 30 years of Praise Chapel Paramount's history. We're so thankful for the history of our fellowship, but we're looking forward to the next 30 years. Also, we'd love to hear what God has done in your life. To share your story, email us at info at pcparamount.org. Again, we hope you enjoy this message. I'll give Jesus a big hand clap. Wow. Yeah, well, uh, we theoretically have been on a sabbatical, and uh, but when I came into California, I, I, I mean, my church does not trust me. They took my SIM chip from my phone. I don't have my phone number. They changed my passwords on all my social media. That's jacked up. They totally didn't trust me, man. And so, like, you know, uh, you know that thing on your iPhone that, like, measures how much time you spend? Yeah, it's empty. It's blank. <laughs> it's blank. So, yeah, but greetings. So we've been uh, away from our church. Uh, this is our fourth week away. We'll be going home this next week and spend some time to visit uh, Esther's mom and my mom and my dad here in town. And we're from here. And uh, she's, she's from Bell Garbage. I mean, Bell Gardens. <laughs> Don't tell Pastor Mike Perez I said that. Uh, but anyway, greetings. And, and uh, I'm just honored. Uh, you know, my wife and your pastor's wife, Letty, they share the same birthday. On the same day, October 16th. And uh, how many years you've been married? 35. And we just celebrated last week 31 years. You know, you can murder somebody and get out of jail sooner than that. I'm like doing a life sentence. <laughs> but uh, I, I, I want to be conscious of what's happening here. One is... Your pastor did not exaggerate. He did not, um, um, how would you say, uh, just said the right thing about me. This is the church I preach at more than any other church when I'm in Southern California. He's my best friend. I literally talked, I got a man crush on him, I get it. (laughs) I'm like, um, we're like literally talk on the phone except for this, like he doesn't even have my new number for this month. So like, I know they were freaking out. Is he still coming? (laughs) And uh, uh, but uh, we we speak pretty much on a daily, if not every other day basis. And um, it's been that way for I can't even figure out how long Uh, he's been there for me. He's been a great friend of me. He stands on the board of my church and he's also on the board of directors of the Cure Network of Churches. He is a hero in my fellowship to not just our congregation, but my church plants. They look at him as a spiritual elder in in our fellowship of all of our churches. All my pastors have the right to call him anytime. And uh, even when I went on sabbatical, I said, there's a problem, call Omar. (laughs) Uh, But this is amazing. 30 years. And and, uh, you guys are honoring it uh, in October here. And it just so happens to be Pastor Appreciation Month. And I know you guys from, well, I don't know. I just seen 
that someone texts me that there's going to have guest speakers and so forth. Let me tell you why this is so important. Um, Focus on the Family put out that 1,700 preachers in America quit the ministry every single month. Think about that. Number one reason why, you. Uh, Who's he pointing at? (laughs) Dang. Seriously, though, 1,700 preachers quit the ministry every month. Most church plants only last four to five years, and they fold. And uh, so can we give honor right now to the Lord for what he's done? So I get it. I get it. It's all God, and it is all God. But let me just tell you something. It's only all God because somebody is obeying God. There needs to be somebody tangibly living this out. God chose to use people. He chose to use people. Now, I remember when I walked into Praise Chapel uh, in East L.A. when I got saved in 1987 and, and worship started, there was a guy on the stage doing this. Leading worship. In the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. That was him. (laughs) I remember the conference when they got sent out. And uh, I remember when they came to Paramount. And 30 years blows me away. So let me, I'm going to talk about the role of a pastor, the role of your pastor. And I've noticed, you know, there was a national poll. It was a couple years ago. Uh about the most untrusted professions. We didn't fare too well, preachers. In one poll, the preacher was the most untrusted profession. Then used car salesman and a politician. It's always been those three. And uh, that doesn't place us too well. And uh, let me read you this scripture. And I'm going to read a lot of scripture. But I want you to hear the word of God today that I'm preaching, most of it's coming from Apostle Paul as a pastor. So I I know you're going to hear the word, but I I want you to hear it from like a pastor talking to a congregation, just not hear the words, but hear a pastor's plea. Can we do that? So 1 Corinthians 4.13, Paul speaking, We appeal gently when evil things are said about us. Yet we are treated like the world's garbage, like everybody's trash right up to this present moment. I'm not writing these things to shame you, but to warn you as my beloved children. Even if you had 10,000 others who teach you about Christ, you have only one spiritual father. I've become your father in Christ Jesus when I preach the good news to you. Apostle Paul is referring to the whole world looks at me as garbage, trash, thrown out, dispensable, foolish. And he's giving this plea to the church, and he he goes on and he says, you may have 10,000 instructors on YouTube that you watch. You may have all kinds of podcasts that you glean from and so forth. But he puts his foot down and says, but I'm your spiritual father. I'm the guy that cares for you. I'm the guy that you can call. I'm the guy that you can walk up to for prayer and a service. I'm the one that can counsel you. I'm the one that's going to marry you and bury you. 
We're full service, by the way, just to let you know. <laughs> you know, it, it wasn't always this way about pastors, the way they looked at it considered a profession of being untrusted. Years ago, pastors were considered a professional occupation, just like a lawyer or a doctor. A minister was right up there with them. They were educated, well-read. Their opinion was sought after in the community. What happened was people abused their position and privilege. And today, th this is all too common, okay? Preachers twist the scripture for their own profit. The reality, what's going on? <laughs> Am I done? They're like, <laughs> man, they're already convicted back there. <laughs> Then you got these crazy, I'm sorry, I'm going to call it like it is, reality shows with preachers embarrassing the ministry. You have these cult leaders changing the word of God. Then there's the sexual scandals, the financial abuse. Uh, what happened is there was a violation by few, and we do live in this interesting time, this ESPN culture where we just highlight we, we don't give the full story, the Twitter time. We just do that, and usually we are prone to negativity. And somehow we love to put out something bad that happened about a preacher, but let the thousands that are doing good, the thousands that are living righteous, the thousands that are caring for their people. You know, and so some say all the time, you know, I love, we fly, and whenever I'm sitting next to somebody and I don't want to talk, this is exactly what I do. Hey, what do you do for a living? Oh, I'm, Anna. I'm in sales. What do you do? I'm a preacher, and I know they're not going to talk to me. And I just go to sleep. <laughs> I don't want to talk. <laughs> Jeremiah 23.1. This is what God says. What sorrow waits you leaders of my people, the shepherds of my sheep, for they have destroyed and scattered the very ones they were expected to care for, says the Lord. Therefore, this is what the Lord, uh, what the Lord, the God of Israel, says to these shepherds. Instead of caring for my flock and leading them to safety, you have deserted them and driven them to destruction. Now I will pour out judgment on you for the evil things you have done to them. I'm going to tell you something. You're worried about what about this and what about that. I'm going to tell you right now, God is in control. It is his church. Nobody gets away with anything. Oh, preach that? That's what you want me to preach? Okay. God, I'm, not, I'm good, I'm good. But God has called pastors to this very important part of ministry. Now, I promise you before God, he has no idea what I'm doing today. He has no idea what I was going to preach on. But, but I, I, I really feel this need to do this. I want to remind you who he is, who they are. Ephesians, no, look at what the Bible says. Ephesians 4.11, put it up there. Now these are gifts Christ gave to the church. The apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastors, and the teachers. H have you looked at your pastors as gifts from Christ? Something that he gave the church as a blessing. Christmas season will be upon us before you know it. We're going to buy gifts for people we care about, we honor. 
And the Bible says Jesus said, I'm going to give a gift. Not only have I given my life for you, but I'm going to give you a gift to the church of the fivefold ministry. Your, your pastor's here. Not only they pastor, but, but he is an apostle and right for leading a fellowship of pastors. And, and, and according to Jesus' view, this was my gift to you. And I think the problem is we don't realize that. You, you ever get a gift from somebody, you're like, hey, thanks. And you're like, you never touch it again. It's still in your closet. I mean, openly, you're like, hey, what a cool gift. Thank you. The role of a pastor is like an under-shepherd from the great shepherd. He's an example. He's an encourager. He's an equipper. His role is to teach, to preach, to proclaim. And God said in Jeremiah 3.15, I will give you pastors according to my heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1, when Christ Jesus comes as king, he will judge everyone, whether they are living or dead. So with God and Christ as a witness, I command you. Remember, I want you to listen to the scripture as a preacher speaking. I command you. He's talking to Timothy, a new preacher. He's telling him his role in the ministry. Timothy ended up pastoring the church of Ephesus. He says, I command you, preach God's message. Do it willingly, even if it isn't the popular thing to do. You must correct people and point out their sins. That's his job description. Well, the light stayed on that time, okay. But also cheer them up, and when you instruct them, always be patient. For time is coming when people will not listen to good teaching. Instead, they will look for teachers who will please them by telling them only what their itching ears want to hear. But, you know, one of the roles, you know, we have no, I have no joy in the dealing with people's drama. I, I, I get no joy. I got enough drama in my own life. I got enough challenges in my own life, but I understand my occupation is sometimes pointed. My, operate, my, my occupation sometimes, I have to call out things. I have to call sin, sin. Even in a world where the, the gospel is polluted and diluted, where they take things out, dilute it, and pollute it by putting things in that should never be in there. And, and this is your pastor's job. He, he's not up here to cheer you up every service. He, he's not here to do that sometimes. I mean, what good is it if you sit in our church and give your money and worship and love our great presentation, the gospel, and you go to hell? It's all right. If you don't like me, I leave. Colossians 1.19, and I want you to look at this whole, Colossians is an incredible book about a pastor. Paul says, for God in all of his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him, God has reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and in earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far away from God. Now remember, he's a pastor talking 
to the congregation. You were enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he's reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are wholly blameless as you stand before him without a single fault. Somebody praise God. But, but there's a but on the next scripture. But. Say but. I got you to say but. <laughs> but you must continue to believe this truth. Stand firmly in it. Don't drift away. Tell two people, don't drift away. Come on, turn your rusty neck and do it. They got bad breaths. Go, don't drift away, all right? Stay away from the drifters. Don't listen to the drifters. Was there a band called the Drifters? Yeah, don't listen to them, all right? Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. Listen to this. The good news has been preached all over the world. And I, the pastor, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. I am glad when I suffer in uh, suffer for you in my body. He's telling the Colossian church, look, you heard this good news. Hold firm to it. Don't drift away from it. Matter of fact, I've gone through some suffering. Him was physical suffering to be a pastor. Physical suffering. And, and, and he's saying, I've suffered in my body. For I am participating in the sufferings of Christ that continue for his body, the church. God has given me, this pastor, the responsibility of serving his church by proclaiming the entire message to you. This message was kept secret for centuries and generations past, but now it has been revealed to God's people. For God wanted them to know that the riches and glory of Christ are for the you Gentiles too. This is the secret. Christ lives in you. This gives you assurance of sharing his glory. So we tell others about Christ. Listen to this. Warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom God has given us. This is what the preacher wants. Listen to it. We want to present them to God. Perfect in the relationship in Christ. This is why we struggle. We work. This is why I work and struggle hard, depending on Christ's mighty power that works within me. Do you know your pastor's role is to present you to God perfect? He, he struggles hard, prays hard, lives for God to present you. I, I, I get it, man. I, I, I hear it all the time. I've been pastoring uh, 26 years. In September was our anniversary in Kansas City. But, but you know, I hear people all the time, man, I, you know, Jesus is my pastor. I wish he was. I totally wish he, he'd whoop you. You don't pray, kick over your furniture. And then he would tell you, get thee behind me, Satan. If he called you Satan, you'd leave the church. Get all over Facebook. How many times did he tell us close to the disciples, you faithless knuckleheads? How long do I have to bear with you? Jesus, Jesus is your savior. That's your pastor. <laughs> they work hard. 
A, a, a good pastor works hard. He cares about people. Where were, hey, where did that one couple go? Hey, well, how come that one person's struggling? They, 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 it consumes them because they're shepherd over people. We are not supposed to be spiritual entertainers that stand on a stage with all of our illustrations and all of our jokes and all of our things. That's fine. We'll do anything to make you remember what we preached. But at the end of the day, you tear down the lights, you tear down our illustrations and the videos. This is about people. This is about souls going to heaven or hell. The function of a pastor is, you know, that word in the Greek, it, it's ponium. It means a shepherd, one who tends the flock, not merely one who feeds them, but he tends them. He watches out for their well-being, the condition of their soul. He's to lead people to the great shepherd, the good shepherd. It's in this living relationship. I mean, Peter sat right underneath the good shepherd. Peter said this in 1 Peter 5, 1. And now, a word to you elders in the church. Now, if you're a, a, a Bible study leader, raise your hand. Raise your hand. No, don't be ashamed. Like, Man, I don't want no more people in my house. Don't raise your hand. <laughs> All right, there, there's the, the small group leaders. I, I totally believe in this ministry. And, and you, I want you to picture a church this size is more like a ranch. And, and they're, he's like a rancher now, not just a shepherd. He's a leader over leaders. And, and you Bible study leaders that, and if you're new in the church, please come back. Don't leave because I preach, all right? I'll get in like real trouble. <laughs> but, but, but the nuts and bolts of this church and the heart of this church is those small groups. That's where discipleship comes in. That's where one in prayer and prophetic and, and gifts are developed. And, and I encourage you, if you're new, get connected in those groups. But, but they are a representation or supposed to be representation of the pastor. So when Peter's speaking to the elders, he's saying, look, you know, he goes, you elders in the church. I, too, am an elder. He's saying, look, I have a responsibility of people and a witness of the sufferings of Christ. And I, too will share in his glory when he's revealed to the whole world. As a fellow elder, I appeal to you. Care for the flock that God has entrusted you. Hey, Bible study leaders, you been following up on your people? Do you pray for them? Sometimes as a Bible study leader, we can have the thought that they, I mean, or do you only call them when they don't come to your house for Bible study? See, it's the whole Jethro system in Exodus. Moses couldn't, he couldn't care for the people on his own. His father-in-law, Jethro, said, hey, break up the congregation of the Lord in the hundreds and the fifties and the tens. And point leaders with the heart instruction of the law that he can care for them. And bring the big matters to you. Your pastor, he's able to look and so forth. You, you want to honor him and you're a leader in the church. You're a representation of him. As he's supposed to be a representation of Christ. Care for it. I mean, here's Peter saying, care for the flock. Care for the people. Don't care about your parking spot. Even though parking here is rough. 
but don't don't worry. I mean, literally, I came so close to preaching something else. You are not going to be. He ain't going to like this. Because he put a lot in it. You're not going to be here long. This building. Sorry, dude. Every time I have gave had that feeling, I was right. Every wall you broke. This church is going to, it's got to move. It's got to grow. It's got to go to the next level. Okay. How does God feel about, look at this role of a pastor. Are, Are we good here? All right. Hebrews 13, 7. Appreciate your pastoral leaders who gave you the word of God. It's Pastor Appreciation Month. Sounds fair. Are they, where's the scripture? Who's back there? <laughs> Appreciate your pastoral leaders who gave you the word of God. Take a good look at the way they live. Let their faithfulness instruct you as well as their truthfulness. This should be consistent that runs through us all. Now, I, I, hey, you may think this is to uplift the man. It's not to uplift the man. It's up to lift the gift that Christ gave the church. And if you know, know your role, I'm no wrestling fans, all right. <laughs> and you know his role, I, I think things will be better because the, that stigma has got to be broken down. I love reading this in this New Living Translation. Remember your leaders who taught you the word of God. Think of all the good that's come out of their lives and follow their example of their faith. Let me tell you all the good that's came out of their lives. Look around. That's you. Because I remember when they were in the same church I was that I got saved, and they said, you know what, Pastor, I feel called to preach the gospel. And they left that church of 1,200 people in 1988, 89, 89, with no promises, left their ministry, and like everybody liked Pastor Omar's ministry. He was like on the stage. We're like, man, look at that dude. So it, was, it was that way in the 80s. And he left everything, and there was no parade. It was Bellflower first, right? What, what city first that you got announced to? Garden Grove, and then he ended up here. That's right. In Param- but there was no parade. There was no, like, the, the mayor gave him the key to the city. We're so glad you're here. As a matter of fact, he kind of stayed undercover. Didn't want to deal with those permits and stuff back in the day. <laughs> he left all of that. And it says, look at all the good that came out of their life. You guys just had your conference. Over 25 churches around the country, the world. Because one man's obedience, one couple said, yeah, and let me, let me not leave his wife out because let's just be real here. You know, Sister Letty, if she didn't want to go, he ain't going nowhere. We know that. <laughs> it was both of them. God made them one. They're your pastors, and look at all the good. Right now, there's a church in Lawndale. There's a church in Bell Gardens. There's a church in Long Beach. There's a church in Pico Rivera. There's a church in somewhere. They're preaching right now, Sunday morning, because of their obedience. And the Bible says, appreciate them. Think of all the good that's come out of life, and you should follow that example. I 
am not preaching this because he's my friend. I'm not preaching this as some little, you know, high five to my buddy. I'm not preaching this. I preach this completely from my heart. I'm not putting this together uh, as some deal. I want you to really grasp what I'm trying to say here. I I would not say this. I, I can't preach this in every church I go to. I, I really can't. And it's just no, I just, I just can't. There's some places I just won't feel comfortable preaching this. In some churches I preach, I don't feel comfortable even preaching there and I decline. Look, a couple of verses down. Obey, uh, Hebrews 13, 17. Obey your leaders, do what they say. Come on, preacher. They are watching out over you. They must answer to God. Do you understand that scripture? That we're going to have to talk to God about everything we tell you? I don't want to go to hell for you, man. I love you, but I don't love you like that. In other words, I don't know. Are you hearing me? He's like, man, I don't trust it. Do you really think... We're going to jeopardize our eternity over you. You ain't that special. And you definitely don't give enough money for us to throw it all away. (laughs) We're going to answer to God. So don't make them sad that they do, uh, 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 don't make them sad as they do their work. Make them happy. Otherwise, you won't be, they won't be able to help you at all. I'm going to read this in two other translations so you get the full meaning. Verse 17, God's word. Obey your leaders. Accept their authority. They take care of you because they have a responsibility for you. Obey them so that they may do the work joyfully and not complain about you. Causing them to complain would not be to your advantage. phone rings. Hey, what's up, Omar? How was Sunday? Oh, dude, you don't even know what so-and-so did in my church. No, he doesn't do that. <laughs> I probably did it to him. Wait, is it being recorded? Nothing. <laughs> no, they're still in church, all right? <laughs> did you hear that, though? Are you understanding what the writer of Hebrews is saying? In the King James Version, it says, obey and submit, which are two different things. Obey means do what you're told. Submit means to do it with a good heart. I always refer to when my son was, he's married and got, I got two grandkids now, granddaughters. But when you know, the whole trash, taking out the trash thing, like, there's like a mile to the curb where I live too. And I did, as soon as he moved out, I bought trash cans with wheels. He was so mad. But I would tell him, hey, take out the trash. Oh, come on. You know how it is. You know, and he does it. He may be obedient, but if he was submissive, Father, it is my honor to remove the trash from our home to the curb. We never got to that point. We just accept obedience. Let me read it to you in the message, Hebrews 13, 17. Be responsive to your pastoral leaders. Listen to their counsel. 
They are alert to the condition of your lives and work under strict supervision of God. Contribute to their joy of leadership, not its drudgery. Why would you want to make things hard for them? Tell your neighbor, why are you making things hard for my pastor? Some of you wives are getting too serious right now. Seventeen hundred preachers quit the ministry every month in America. And here's the writer. It seems like he he's saying this for a reason. He's not just putting it out there. He's speaking to the Hebrew church. They're not listening. They're not trusting. He has to remind them, listen, man, they got your back. Honor them, love them, follow their example. Submit to them, trust them, let them speak into your life. And he has to affirm what he's saying. You understand God's in control. If they're going to act foolish, God's going to deal with them. That's what he's saying. And then he goes, listen, why would you, you want to make it hard for them? You know, I, I get new people that come to my church that they just don't understand. They think growth. What I don't get is people that have been around for a long time acting stupid because they know it bothers me. They know it makes me not sleep well. They know I'm worried. They know it hurts me. They know I'm gonna, it's going to mess up things in the kingdom and they're going to mess up this and they act like they don't care. Could you imagine if we did that to you? You know what he says after that, the next verse? Pray for us. Verse 18, pray for us. That we have no doubts that we, what, uh, what we're doing or why. That's interesting. Obey, submit, standing under God. Don't make it hard. Then he all of a sudden he says, please pray for us. That because sometimes people make us doubt what we're doing. But, but it's hard going and we need your prayers. And all we care about is living well before God. It's incredibly important that people are not drawn to the man, but God. You're not worshiping a man. You're worshiping the Christ in a man. And it's a divine responsibility. The Bible says in Acts 20, verse 8, now it's up to you. Be on your toes, both for yourselves and your congregation of sheep. The Holy Spirit has put you in charge of these people, God's people, and they are to be guarded and protect them. God himself thought they were worth dying for. Our job is to guard, to protect. You, you know, you ever see those old, those old, uh, they're not old, those pictures of a shepherd in the Christian bookstore and they got the sheep over their neck. You, you know what I'm talking about? You're like, oh, how nice. It ain't that nice. But the shepherd has a staff. And, and this is what the shepherd would do. He would have his sheep. Remember the, the Jesus talks about he'd leave the 99 for the one lost sheep? Well, this is what that shepherd would do with the staff. If one sheep kept wandering, he'd get his staff out and he'd break his leg. So he wouldn't wander no more. And then he'd put it over his shoulder and draw him close and nurture him back to health. Don't tell me you're a disciple and you ain't got no crutches. (laughs) 
Bible says the Holy Spirit's put you in charge. They're God's people. We're to guard, we're to protect. When, when, when they say, hey, man, I don't know about this. Be careful about that. Don't, don't get all defensive because your ego and your pride. You, you know, we don't get paid extra for doing that. You know that, right? You, you know there's like no bonuses here. Like, you know, no, no. We get slandered on social media now. This can only be done through the building of faith of the flock. This is how it's supposed to be. This is God's method. God, let's be honest. Let's be real here. We're here because of the preaching of the gospel. Everything else kind of like prepares us for this moment. The offering comes. It helps support the ministry. The church stays open, helps people. and we can. You, but you, ultimately, you're coming here to hear what I'm doing. We worship first to defrag from the world let the presence of God fill us so we can receive God's word we're here because of the Bible we're here of God's word but let me give you a revelation of that in Romans 10 13 you've heard this for whoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved we believe that how then shall they call on him whom they've not believed and how shall they believe in him whom they've not heard and how shall they hear without a preacher I mean, wouldn't it be interesting if there was no pastor, no preacher? You came to church, you sang some songs, you gave money and left. You'd be like, did we do that? <laughs> How beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace. My feet are beautiful today. You know you love my kicks. These are PF flyers. I ain't about them chucks. I'm about PF flyers. Size 15, too. <laughs> Beautiful. So faith cometh by hearing and hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing. You can't get saved, Paul says in Romans, without hearing the gospel. And you can't hear the gospel without a preacher, without a pastor, without someone proclaiming it, without someone being anointed. That's the importance of it. Hebrews 4, 2, speaks of profiting from the spiritual. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to break it down. L listen to this. Hebrews 4, 2. For indeed the gospel is preached to us as well as them, but the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. So I want you to picture this. It says they heard the same message, but some of them, it didn't help at all. Half of them heard it in faith, and it profited them. The other half didn't hear it in faith. It didn't profit them at all. Do you remember what he preached on last? Not the fancy title that we had to brand in you of the last series, but what he preached on. And if you say the stage, that ain't cool. Do you remember his sermon from last month? I mean, you came to the altar. Surely you remember the text. I've literally walked off stage and walk out and, think, and I'll go to my disciples. What I preach on? Oh, what are you asking me? You know, it was like 10 minutes ago. Not mixed with faith. It profits you nothing. 
And then here we are working on these messages, staying up late, spending time trying to hear from God, and you're looking at your phone. I mean, you're thinking about doubles. It ain't even that good over there, man. This is such an important part of the work of the pastor to equip, to impart. And we do everything because people's attention spans so weak now. You, you, you can't just entertain people and give them what they want. You've got to challenge them. You've got to build their faith. People have to respond to God. And the book of Colossians is written by a man with a pastor's heart. He's definitely gifted by God. Again, verse 19, for God in all his fullness pleased to live in Christ. And through him, he reconciled everything to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by the means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were far away from God. You were enemies separated from him by your evil thoughts. Yet now he has reconciled himself through the death of Christ in a physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his presence and you are wholly blameless and stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe this truth. What truth? The truth I'm preaching to you. Stand firmly in it. How can you stand firmly in something that you didn't even take notes about and apply it to your life on Monday? So don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world. I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. He's literally saying, God appointed me for this. Are you cool with these scriptures? It don't, just say yes, because I'm going to do it anyway. It don't really... Like, you're not going to get up and walk out. You're going to look foolish. I got you trapped. I'm just kidding. <laughs> First Corinthians 15.1. Listen, a pastor, my friends, I want you to remember the message that I preached. Do you remember the message? Do you remember the message that was preached? Paul's saying, I want you to remember what I preached. It gets real simple. And you believe it and trust it. You will be saved by this message if you hold firmly to it. But if you don't, your faith was all for nothing. <laughs> you can sit through church, service after service, and it all for nothing unless you believe and hold firm to it and apply it to your life. And I, I must tell you, this dude can preach. This dude studies. This guy... I can lie to you. He, he gave me one of his sermons, and I'm like, dude, this is 14 pages, man. You should have gave me a book. I can't preach this. <laughs> First Colossians 1.25, for which I became a minister according to the stewardship of, from God, which was given to me for you, for you, to fulfill the word of God. Uh, verse 27 says, God did this because he wanted you Gentiles to understand the wonderful, glorious mysteries. And the mystery is that Christ lives in you and he is your hope, uh, is your hope of sharing in God's glory. Paul believed that he was an agent of God. He was an agent of God to preach the truth. He was the James Bond 007 of God. I heard the new James Bond's a woman. I'm kind of tripping. Nothing against you ladies, but come on, man. 
can't it be like 008 or something? Why got to be 007? They're like a bunch of numbers. To cause people to grow in their faith. He's an agent sent by God to penetrate darkness in your life, to rescue you from the enemy that's held you captive. Verse 28, so tell others about Christ, warning everyone, teaching everyone with all wisdom God has given us. We want to present them to God perfect in the relationship with Christ. That's really what we want to do. It would really stink for us to give our lives for 30-some years to a church. And then when we go to heaven, like, hey, we're here. And, like, two girls and a teenager came with me. We're going to stand before God for our occupation, our calling, and say, God, this is the best I did for them. I live for God. I preach the truth. I mean, this is this profound miracle, but it's much more, it's easy to get saved. But to grow in God, that's a whole other thing. One's a gift, it's monetary, salvation. The other is a journey. Paul viewed his role as a preacher that caused people to mature. Romans 12, 1, as so dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. I'm pleading. Give your bodies to God because all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, kind, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. This is Paul, not just your mind, your bodies. Mind, body, soul, and spirit, Everything. Don't copy the behavior and the customs of the world. Let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Because of the privilege and authority God has given me as your pastor, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you're better than you really are. Be honest with your evaluation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith that God has given us. I mean, this is a pastor pleading. He's meddling. He's getting in there. He's warning. I have to hurry. Colossians 2.4. I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you. I mean, there's so much deception right now. I mean, most people want to come to church to get away from junk in this world. I mean, when I got saved... I mean, I, this is me. I gave up getting high, drinking. I, I was a punk rocker, 1987. Walked into church all messed up. I gave up getting high, drinking, messing around, <laughs> getting tattoos, listening to things that were not healthy. And now everything I got delivered from, you can do as a Christian. It's kind of weird, man. Like, what do you get delivered from now? Don't be hating. You're going to get all mad at me, but you know more worldly songs than you know worship songs. You, you, you literally go to concerts 
where people totally hate Christianity. I know you're mad, but I ain't your pastor. And you're teaching your kids, it's all cool. Man, we used to burn records. Remember that? Break records and get rid of stuff, and we're done. We're going for God. There ain't no records no more. It's all hidden on your phone. I better move on. No one deceive you. Let no one deceive you. I'm telling you this so no one will deceive you with well-crafted arguments. For though I'm far away from you, my heart is with you. And I rejoice that you are living as you should and your faith is in Christ is strong. And now, just as you accept the Christ Jesus as your Lord, you must continue to follow him. Let your roots grow down into him. Let your lives be built on him. Let your faith, that your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught, taught by your pastor, and you will overflow with thankfulness. Listen, don't let anyone capture you with empty philosophies, high-sounding nonsense that comes from human thinking and from the spiritual powers of the world rather than from Christ. I mean, if you read the apostles and the epistles, what they said, they're literally warning the church. As good shepherds caring, watch out. Don't let the world entice. So the truth is, the world we're, we're supposed to change culture. Culture's changing us. Preaching against anything that would lead them astray, get them off their destiny, their purpose. And most people today, they don't care about that. They just want to go to heaven. They don't care about destiny. As long as I make it to heaven. That, you know how ridiculous that is? I just want to go to heaven. You're going to rule and reign with Christ. You're going to get eternal rewards. Wood, hay, stubble, gold, silver, precious stones. That's like us sending someone to the Olympics. I really don't care if I win. I just wanted a t-shirt. Like, give me a break. If Jesus saved you and he called you into his kingdom, go for the gusto. Go for everything. There are pastors that have this hands-on approach, not afraid of the backlash. I mean, the hardest thing is when, when somebody brings something to us and, and, and it's a hard decision. It, it's going to really affect the family. And they, wanna, they want us to change the gospel view of a certain situation. And, and, and it's so challenging. And we know it's going to hurt them, but they have to teach them to trust God. Paul looked at the preaching as necessary to challenge people, to change people, to build their faith, that they can become mature. Now, let me bring this down to a close, which really means nothing. I'm almost done. The third least respected profession was a politician. Preachers are not politicians. Today, ministers sound like it, fearful of warning, fearful of preaching on sin, controversy, fearful of teaching to live holy. Because, you know, today, if you preach on holy, someone calls you legalistic. Just because you're telling something, oh, the church is legalistic. Why? Because we preach on something that you do? And it's in the Bible? I mean, that's just what happens. And then preachers get to this point, they're afraid to preach the full counsel of God because they're afraid they're going to lose church members. You lose church members, you lose tithes and offerings. That's just a fact. 
And what we've done, we've molded preachers into telling us what we want to hear. There's a tendency today that people want pastors to make them only feel good. Well, you know, I've heard people brag how they fired their pastor. No, you can't do that here, so don't even think about it. I'll slap you. We can do that? No. Can, can you imagine Apostle Paul, who wrote one-third of the New Testament, being afraid of stepping on people's toes because they were committing sin in the church? You know, Apostle Paul kicked more people out of church than anyone else in the Bible. He kicked them out of church. Then he said, don't even eat with those people. Second Corinthians 5.10, sooner or later, this personally, this verse here is my verse. The verse I signed in my book, this is the verse I want written on my tombstone. Sooner or later, we will all face God, regardless of the condition, of our condition. We will all, be, we will all appear before Christ and, and take, uh, take what's coming to us as a result of our actions, either good or bad. This keeps us vigilant. You can be sure. It's no light thing to know that we will all one day stand in the place of judgment. That's why we work urgently with everyone we meet to get them ready to face God. God alone knows how well we do this, but I hope you realize how much and deeply we care. We're not saying this to make ourselves look good to you. We just thought it would make you feel good, even proud even, that we are on your side and not just nice to your face as so many people are. If I acted crazy, I did it for God. If I acted seriously, I did it for you. Christ's love has moved me to such extremes. His love has the first and last word of everything we do. Our firm decision is to work from this focus centered. One man died for everyone and puts everyone in the same boat. Pastor's not called to be popular. He's called to preach the truth. He's called to care for the flock, to hear from God, to warn, to swim upstream, to make you think about your life, to make you think about your eternity. There, there, there's not one of us in our Christian walk that, that get off course. That is our job as a pastor. We're supposed to be anchor men. Verse 28, tell others about Christ, warning each one of them, everyone, with all wisdom given to us, we want to present them to God, perfect in their relationship with Christ. Warn, rebuke, correct, encourage. I'm so glad that you have a good pastor in this church. I'm so glad. But a pastor, Pastor Omar Letty, they've preached the word of God here for 30 years. And, and this is a good church. I have, I, 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 I honestly, I really hear no stories of people just, really being dishonoring to them. I mean, there's always some drama in the church because there's people here. And we pray that weird prayer. We want those that nobody else wants. And well, here you are. <laughs> but you should really thank God for them. And... Um, I'm not going to do some crazy altar call of uh, like, who's with him? You're here. You're, you're here. 
You, like, nobody made you come. Well, maybe your wife did, but you're, you're here. You're here. You didn't have to come. You passed so many churches to get to this church today. But it's a great church. I mean, just what you did to this building, the ministry, when you walk, you, it's just amazing. Amazing. But I'm going to say what he can't say. And I'm going to say what probably most won't say, but it's, it's just inappropriate. It, it's too self-serving. Praise Chapel Paramount, you wouldn't be here if your pastors didn't come here. Well, even if something happened and life goes on or they had to leave, somebody else would come. So it's, no, but, but there would be somebody to come to something that they started. You know, Pastor Rudy's getting ready to go to San Antonio. I mean, this dude gives up every assistant pastor. Where's Dave, that Cowboys fan? Oh, he's in Washington? You already got rid of him. Good. <laughs> I hate the Cowboys. I love Dave. He's always flashing that pentagram. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, go. <laughs> I, I'm, here's my challenge. It is pastor appreciation month. They did not tell me. They just said they're going to celebrate 30 years. But it dawned on me, you know, it's pastor appreciation month. You know how you appreciate him? Just come early. Leave late. Love people. Follow their example. Hear the word of God. Apply it. Talk about it. Maybe you've taken some things lightly. Go home today with your family and start driving home like, you know what, man? Say things like this. Pastor Kelly preaches so good. That was an awesome sermon. <laughs> I hope he comes back. <laughs> no, you know what? I, I got to get to know my pastor. Now, you're not going to have the relationship that everyone has. The church has grown. I walked into my church. Pastor Neville was the founder of this whole fellowship. There's 1,200 people. And I was like the only white dude in the church, like me and this other bass player. It was all Chicanos. And I had blue hair. I knew I wasn't going to get no FaceTime. <laughs> But I felt like by my heart, honor comes from the heart. That's why when he died, I cried. I didn't realize how much I loved him until he died. I mean, I, I, I mean, I loved him enough that he said, he, I didn't want to go to Kansas City. I was supposed to go to Chicago. I fasted six years, and he told me to go to Kansas City. He walked up to me on a Sunday morning and said, hey, boy, you ready for Kansas City? I go, if you say it, I quoted that scripture, obey and submit. If you say it's God, he goes, it's God. Quit your job. You leave Tuesday. This was on Sunday. And then he just walked away from me. I thought he like did that Dr. Spock thing, you know, and I'm like, okay, and I'm crying. Then, you know, that week I'm driving to a city I've never been to in my life. But I thank God that he had the bravery to hear from God to tell me what was going to hurt me. 
and thousands of people have been saved. Our Hell Night drama that we're doing this month, last year we had like 2,500 people come forward and give, give their life to Jesus. We planted 15 churches. I mean, First Timothy 5.17, let the elders who rule you be counted worthy of double honor, especially those who labor in word and doctrine. <clears throat> so double honor. Yeah, I'm going to doubly honor him. Well, can I read you what that actually means? That's not the word honor that you think. 1 Timothy 5.17, the pastors who lead the church well should be paid well. They should receive double honor for faithfully preaching and teaching the revelation of the word of God. The message says, give a bonus to the leaders who do a good job, especially the ones who work hard at preaching and teaching. The real translation of honor there is talking about financial compensation. Then it goes on the very next verse, don't muzzle the ox. By, by no means, I, I know nothing about the books, the finances of this church. I have no idea what your pastor makes. It's none of my business. It's none of yours. But, but you want to honor him? You should bless him. You should bless him for 30 years. I'm serious. With that many people quitting the ministry every month? I mean, that, how else do you honor somebody? You buy them a gift. You bless them. That's what people do. And so, like, he has no idea I was going to do this, but I felt when I was up this morning and uh, actually called Isaac first, and he's like in Iceland. <laughs> then I had to explain to my wife, ice doesn't come from Iceland. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. <laughs> Lethe goes, you did? <laughs> She's Cuban. <laughs> So I know no one was ready for this, but I feel we should take an offering for them. I think we should bless them. Hey, thanks for listening to this week's message from Praise Chapel Paramount. If you want to stay connected, follow us online with Facebook and Instagram at PC Paramount or visit our website at praisechapelparamount.com.